Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. This is a CBC Podcast. It was the dead of winter in 2015, and Samantha Istance was driving along a highway in interior British Columbia when she saw it. Something she couldn't quite compute. Is that a cougar, she thought? A cougar with spots all over it? That's when the penny dropped. I'm looking at this going, that's a cheetah. That's a bloody cheetah. That's Samantha. Figuring no one would believe her unless she got pictures, she pulled over. And when I got out of the car with my phone in front of me, I started going, yeah, kitty, kitty, kitty. (laughs) What else does one say to a feline? Then she noticed something else. The cheetah? It had a collar. Samantha wanted to help this cat, which was clearly on the wrong continent and possibly somebody's pet. My first thought was, I'll get a hold of a collar, I'll put her in the back of my car, and hope that it wouldn't turn out like that scene from Talladega Night. What the hell? It's a goddamn cougar in the car! <laughs> Lest it need be said... Don't approach wild animals on the side of the highway. But Samantha was acting on pure adrenaline. And the caller, perhaps, lent a certain air of domesticity to Kitty Kitty. The cheetah declined the ride, but is believed to have, somehow, eventually, wound up back with its owners. Turns out, it belonged to a couple who had hoped to open a cheetah reserve in B.C. They were denied a permit. I'm A.C. Rowe, and this is The Doc Project. Samantha's run-in with the B.C. highway cheetah was an unusual incident, but not an isolated one. Remember the Ikea monkey? The little Japanese macaque in the fur-lined coat caught on camera, scurrying around the front doors of a Toronto location of the Swedish furniture giant? When escapes like this happen, they inevitably raise questions about private citizens keeping wild animals in this country. Well... Today we have a story that considers just such a dilemma. It involves three towns, one man, and a whole lot of wildlife. Doc Project producer Joan Weber will take it from here. It was midsummer in 2021 when rumors began flying around a small rural Ontario community. The tale that was circulating was disconcerting. It involved a property in the town of Maynooth, a large piece of land in a wooded residential neighborhood about three hours northeast of Toronto. I heard the rumors almost right away, and I just thought to myself, like, that's too outrageous. That's, you know, somebody's just created this really twisted rumor for whatever reason. This is Nate Smell. He's the managing editor for two area newspapers, Bancroft This Week and the Bancroft Times. The rumor mill here is very fast, and um, personally, it's it's very hard to decipher what's rumor and, and what's fact in many occasions. As the story went, police cars had been spotted at the residence in early July. It's not entirely clear where the owners were that day, 
but other notable residents were most certainly there. Big cats, lions, and a tiger. That part was no secret. The owners, Mark and Tammy Drysdale, had moved in less than a year earlier and set up a roadside zoo. What the whispers were about was what officers had allegedly found while checking on the animals. The police reported they were they didn't have enough water, they were eating breakfast cereal, they were hungry animals. Roy Mitchell happens to have a friend who monitors the police scanner, so he's up on pretty much everything. But it was the officers' notes which were obtained through access to information which gave credence to all the rumors. Documents show that on July 7, 2021, police attended the property at the request of the Hastings Prince Edward Public Health Unit. Turns out that two of the lions had crawled under a fence and ate a tiger. That was the allegation. And on the following day, the Provincial Animal Welfare Service had come in, the animals relocated, and now... Mark and Tammy Drysdale were facing a series of animal welfare charges. It was the culmination of a years-long battle between an exotic animal owner and three different Ontario communities. The story has a Groundhog Day-esque quality about it, with Mark Drysdale repeatedly trying to set up roadside zoos with his collection of lions and tigers, and community members repeatedly putting up roadblocks. The ongoing drama has pitted one man's beliefs against a community's. Mark's that he's got the right to house big cats on his property, and residents who don't want to be freaked out by the thought that a neighbor has lions and tigers next door. Now, for the purposes of telling this tale, let's go back to the beginning, or at least what was the beginning for Maynooth. It was sometime in November of 2020 when Roy Mitchell first caught wind that the town was about to get a new neighbor. I heard that there was a guy who had his Jeep in the parking lot of the No Frills and had bought all of the chicken. All of the chicken in No Frills. And when somebody said, what are you doing? He said, these are for my kitties. And it was like, what? What? And then he brought his orange. He has an orange Jeep. And it, he brought his tiger to the parking lot or lion or something. And people were telling me, did you hear about the guy who... And I'm going, what? Yes, he's going to start a zoo. Are you... What? Can he start a zoo? Roy could hardly believe what he was hearing. He's an artist and a filmmaker. He'd moved to Maynooth from Toronto about six years earlier. He immediately wondered what the local politicians were going to do about this. He was still smarting from what had happened when he tried to get the town to fly the rainbow flag. They had a meeting and they had like, they, 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 there was the meeting was packed. It was in the uh, community gym, the, the council meeting. And they voted down the rainbow flag. So that's part of like, what? Like that was such low fruit, right? Low hanging fruit. And then to say no. And so they all voted against it. People that I knew, people that I've been engaged with this community, they said it was too divisive. We have enough flags. What do we need this for? So I'm going like, oh, my God. So then I hear about the lions and the zoos and everything coming to town, right? And I'm going, holy cow. Like, okay, a rainbow flag, that's behind us. That's not my battle anymore. But a, a zoo? 
Around the same time, one of my co-workers at the CBC in London, Ontario, got a call. Out of the blue, from a guy up... Colin Butler said the caller was in Maynooth, a good five hours southwest of him. The man explained he'd recently met Mark Drysdale, who just purchased the property next to his. At hearing the name Drysdale, Colin's ears perked up. Up until a few months earlier, Colin had been writing regular stories about Mark, his wife, and their collection of ten big cats, all of whom had been residing in Grand Bend, a pretty tourist town near London on the shores of Lake Huron. It had been a memorable time. The Drysdales had had an all-out, knock-down, drag-out fight with the municipality of Lambton Shores over the couple's efforts to build a roadside zoo. It was nasty, and it lasted more than a year. And at the end, Mark and Tammy left pretty much overnight. And for a while, nobody really knew where they were. So this was the first Colin was hearing of the Drysdales since they'd left Grand Bend. The caller described his meeting with Mark, how he'd had one of his lions with him that very day, a cub in his vehicle. He opens the door and this lion jumps out of the car and it starts running around on his front lawn. And he he described uh, like cars going by his property and slamming the brakes on because the drivers inside these vehicles were, they were doing a double take and, and just thinking like, is that what I think I see on the front lawn? He was apparently pretty worried. Roy knew this guy too. He wanted to run a business there. Like he wanted to have some sort of like renting cabins and outdoorsy kind of stuff. And he's going like, well, right across the street, there's like lions and tigers, you know, like, you know, like come to this peaceful place in Northern Ontario where at night you will hear lemurs screaming. Like it's ridiculous, right? Everybody in here is going to be living in fear as if we're on the outskirts of Jurassic Park. Like he, he likened it to Jurassic Park. So Colin would write a story, a kind of where are the Drysdales now sort of thing. But because Maynooth was outside the region he normally reports on, he contacted Nate Smell, the newspaper editor. Uh, to, you know, just to kind of give me a heads up on the story. Nate learned Mark Drysdale and his roadside zoos had a history. Of drama following them, right? So he asked Mark and Tammy for an interview, and he says they were happy to oblige. Now, you can imagine, as a small-town journalist, Nate's done a lot of interviews. Suffice it to say, this one stands out. Yeah, it was uh, early November. Uh, I went out to speak with the owners. Um, didn't really know what to expect, but I got there. Mark and his uh, partner, Tammy, they were outside and talking with somebody else, and um, they had uh, their dog. And uh, I didn't notice at first, but there was a small lion um, that was... Uh, kind of up on the straw bales and just sitting there. Uh, when I saw him, he had a collar, so I figured, okay, he's tied up or something. So I walked up, introduced myself, and started chatting a bit. And um, I, I turned my back, and the lion had uh, that was up on the straw bales uh, jumped down and ran over and grabbed my sweater and uh, you know pulled that, started tugging at my sweater. And uh, it happened all so fast, I didn't really know. Uh, you know, what to do. I didn't know what to expect. It, you know, it just kind of pushed him down like you would a dog that's being too aggressive, right? And um, so then I realized he just was a, a lion, just, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think he was playing, but uh, it was a uh, very odd encounter right off the start, right? The story has been very uh, bizarre from the start, like on every level. 
Roy Mitchell says that from the get-go, people were on edge after Mark Drysdale showed up in Maynooth. People in the area, some people, didn't want to go for walks, right? People would joke, you know, like, oh my God, I better be careful. Who knows what's, who knows what's happening in this hood? Others in Maynooth viewed the venture as a bit more thrilling. People are obsessed. Like this community, like they always say, oh, Roy, it's just like the Tiger King. And at least the Tiger King was gay. I'm the only gay thing in this thing. If we were gayer, we might have got more press. But the thing is, like, it's just like, oh, my God, it's worse. It's just worse. They were hearing roaring um, from the property, from their own homes. It, it, It was something very new to the community, I think, right? So like a lot of people were just like, well... They were maybe not have been against the idea of keeping the animals, but they didn't like the idea of of them escaping. <laughs> that was definitely one of Roy's fears. Lion escape, tiger escape, lemur not so bad. I wouldn't care about a lemur, but maybe they're dangerous. I have no idea. Ontario is the Wild West when it comes to exotic animals. There's no laws. There's no federal laws either. Colin Butler has become a bit of an authority on the rules around animal ownership in Ontario. Ontario is funny because there's a law against owning an orca. I can't own an orca. I can't own a pit bull, but I can own a spitting cobra or a tiger. That's that's cool. So it's this weird area where it's up to individual communities to decide whether or not you can own a python whether or not you can own a pot-bellied pig or a lion or a tiger. It was in the spring of 2019 when Colin noticed on social media that someone was looking to buy a former zoo in Grand Bend, the old Pine Ridge Zoo. It was always legendary stories of these escapes through, through the neighborhood. People waking up in the morning and finding like a warthog in their backyard or something like that, right? Like, I thought, oh my God, they're going to, they're going to, revisit this like somebody bought the property they're going to turn it into a zoo this thing's coming back so he started looking into mark drysdale's history and i found that he ran a facility called uh ringtail ranch down in uh, a small community called wayne fleet uh in niagara region there mark had kept dozens of exotic animals monkeys some zebras lemurs a lynx and a few lions officials there managed to shut him down on health violations because a number of people who visited the facility were bitten by the animals. So they said, you can't, you can't run a place like this where people are going to get bitten by animals. It's a, it's a health code violation. And they ended up shutting that place down. And that's when Mark Drysdale purchased the grounds in Grand Bend. You know, they were talking about how they're going to build this operation. They're going to have a number of big cats there. And, you know, they were going to have these big big fences and and everything was going to be safe and it would just be like the old days where you could go and see these wonderful animals right inside this little tourist town on London's doorstep. Trouble was, the Drysdale's vision of what was going to happen came smack up against the towns. I I went to the mayor, uh, Bill Weber, and he had no idea. Um, and it didn't sound like he was comfortable with the idea either. So um, his quote to me was, we're looking at options. And that story, it just sort of set everything in motion. Plans for an animal sanctuary that could be home to up to 10 big cats has some neighbors anxious in Grand Bend. And so what it set off was a series of community meetings where the local councillors in the Van Dongen suburb, that's 
the name of this suburb that surrounds the zoo, um, they started meeting with the neighbors. But what was interesting is they were public meetings, but they didn't invite the Drysdales. You can't win once a township turns against you. This is Mark Drysdale. He agreed to meet me over a video link. He's wearing a rust-colored hoodie, a black ball cap, and what looks like a white puka shell necklace. In 1990, things were a little easier. Um, people didn't latch on to things the way they do now. But we didn't have social media back then either, uh, Joan. It was, uh, it was a different world that we lived in. If people wanted, to- Mark believes he never had a chance in Grand Bend. Stories about his ringtail ranch and rescue in Waynefleet are all over the internet. And he's got a problem with a lot of them. So we moved there. And that was when it really started to ramp up. We allowed the public to come out, which was probably a big mistake. But we allowed it. But guess what? Every single animal was loose. I had no cages except for the lynx was in a cage. And let me think, I had a New Guinea singing dog that I couldn't let out. The biggest cat we had at that time would have been a lynx, but everything else ran free. My lemurs ran free. My monkeys ran free. They just played in the trees. And when they wanted to come see people, they would come down and sit on their shoulders. There was no problems until we had a kid come out. And I don't know if you're aware of that, uh, that incident. Um, it's all- a young girl was attacked by a lynx that somehow breached a plexiglass barrier. Mark told me he accepts some of the responsibility. Is, is there fault on our side? Absolutely. You know. But ultimately, he kind of blamed the victim, claiming she'd been the one to smash the glass not the animal. So it was a condition that we never considered that somebody would go up and... The little girl ended up in hospital. Well, then the newspapers get a hold of it, the lawyers get a hold of it, and before you know it, you're the enemy again. So that's probably where a lot of the public uh, that's anti-animal really latched onto it. They really enjoyed that, that kind of thing. They, they like it when things go wrong because it, it proves their narrative. You know what I mean? Oh, look at how dangerous they are. Mark argued injuries from horses or escaped bulls are way more common. Animals people don't get as worked up about. But it wasn't just the lynx incident that got people talking. Between 2013 and 2018, the Niagara Region Public Health investigated 17 animal bitings and scratchings. Documents describe incidents involving a whole menagerie of animals. Donkeys, a type of South American raccoon, marmosets. One visitor was bitten by a small monkey named George. In another case, a politician was out door knocking when he got ambushed by a kind of primate. Health officials suspected the culprit right away, Lawson, the lemur. His reputation preceded him. The animal had once chased down a visitor and scratched the victim in the eye. One report indicates Mark was bitten on both forearms by one of his lions. In 2016, health officials closed the facility to the public, but Mark stayed on for a few more tumultuous years before officials declared his ringtail ranch and rescue a health hazard. He left Waynefleet shortly after the municipality brought in an exotic animal bylaw. There was just one more episode from those ringtail ranch days I wanted to ask Mark about. There was a, a lion spotted free um, by the side no, of the road. No, there was a lion in our... There was a lion in our front yard with us, Savannah. It was Savannah, the one that always walked everywhere with us. She was well within my property limit. She was trained. 
Come on, kitty. Come on, Savannah. That's Mark Ready? talking to one of his lions in a video posted on YouTube. They're out walking in a wooded area. You ready for the ball? Here we go. Ready? Come on. It's kind of mesmerizing. Go get it. He's literally playing fetch with a lion. Good girl. Bring it here. So that is a cat that is absolutely loose, and I'm going to be crucified for this. But anyone with a brain knows that I am out back in my 30 acres, and that is how I walked my lions. My lions stayed by my side. I was their anchor. The world beyond their cage and beyond me is a world they do not want to know about. Do you think that a lion is not born with instincts of being killed? Lions are hunted by lions. In the wild, a lion's life is brutal. He knows people won't like hearing about lions being loose. I'd be crucified because, oh, he's so irresponsible doing this. He's, no, I know what I'm doing. You don't know what I'm doing. My animals are different. They are taught since babies. And you can say Mark's not going to get away with this and and uh, Mark's going to end up dead one day. Well, maybe I will. Who knows? It, it, I, I, it's not really my concern. Flying an airplane can kill you too. Riding a horse can kill you. Guess what? It's the chance you take. But Grand Bend, his next home, didn't want to leave anything to chance. So as I said, it was spring of 2019 when Mark and Tammy moved to Grand Bend. They spent some good money to do it. And within weeks, Mark says someone from the town turned up. and says, hey, what are you doing here? We're getting complaints. And I said, how incompetent is this township that you don't know what I'm doing? Mark says he spoke with a town official about their plans to open Roaring Cat Retreat. And because the property had been used for a zoo in the past, Mark believed he had the right to do the same. Instead, they were asked to come to the town hall. They had us come in to hand us the new bylaw. No chance for the public input. No chance for our input. No chance for anything. Just pass a bylaw that is going to take and make the tens of thousands of dollars worth of work that we put into that property irrelevant. It all happened a matter of days after Colin Butler's story came out. And it reportedly took the municipality of Lambton Shores about 15 minutes to pass all three readings of the bylaw. It was very quick. I mean, I, I referred to it as a, a hastily drafted exotic animal bylaw, which it was. And they basically... All it was, was a, it was a laundry list, a Noah's Ark almost, of animals that were banned from being owned in the community of Lambton Shores, which is um, a larger township that comprises a number of communities, including Grand Bend. So, and then the Drysdales claim that because they had the animals there before the bylaw was enacted, and that they already had the blessing of the bureaucrats at City Hall, that this thing was null and void, and it, it basically affected everybody else after them. So I think Mark always used the term grandfathered. And so they set about doing this anyway. Like, it, it just became bigger and more sophisticated. Hi, welcome to our Roaring Cat Retreat in uh, Grand Bend, Ontario. So what we're going to do is, for this video, we're going to... They had volunteers come. They started uh, doing shows where, where Mark would show off his different cats and, and how he had trained them and, and stuff like that. And and they started doing their thing. What I wanted to talk to a little bit today about is what it takes for people not to get killed by these beautiful, huge 
kitty cats. This one I'm sitting with here is about 450 pounds. Take the Tiger King. It's going to come up. Um, that caused us a lot of problems. The Tiger King was a, was a terrible show. And then we were cast as the Canadian Tiger King. Well, no, I don't walk into the cage with a gun. I don't walk in with a stick. I don't walk in with a whip. When I'm with my um, 12 lions, I'm in there with my bare hands and my running shoes on. I trust her 100%. She too knows the word teeth. She knows when your teeth are out that she's squeezing too hard and she's not allowed to do the teeth, right? I was curious to ask Mark about how he got into keeping predators. I've only ever met one other exotic animal owner, a man named Al Oming, who for decades ran a game farm in Alberta. He brought his cheetah to my school in Saskatoon when I was a kid. I remember it was a raucous assembly, lots of screaming. Afterward, I patiently waited in line to get close to his cat, and I can vividly recall its narrow leash and its big eyes and how I got to stroke its head. I was born in Brampton and uh, always wanted to have dogs and always wanted to have cats. Always the person bringing home the cat. You know, it was probably the neighbor's cat, but I brought it home anyways, um, pretending it was a, a stray. I've always been more comfortable around animals than I am people. Um, I have no delusions in my mind that I have some special power. What I do have is I was born without the ability to have um, fear. I don't have the flight um, response. I don't have a panic response. Mark started out taking in animals people didn't want anymore. People back in 1995, after the Beethoven movie, um, went out and bought a ton of St. Bernard. So everybody had a St. Bernard, just like a Dalmatian when a hundred and whatever, 101, I think it was, Dalmatian. Everyone had a Dalmatian. He says he and his first wife, Joni, already owned St. Bernard's. And since they had 30 acres of land in Waynefleet, it just made sense to take in more. And that's where it all began. And then as soon as the word rescue gets out there, you've got people who buy monkeys. You've got people who buy lemurs. You've got people who um, smuggle something across the border. Um, you've got X animal, and they don't want it anymore. So all of a sudden, you're a rescue. So yeah, we, st we would take in anything. It didn't matter what it was. We would take it in. By the time Mark and his second wife, Tammy, arrived in Grand Bend, they'd acquired eight lions and two tigers. They said that they could hear roaring all the time, like they could hear lions roaring through their neighborhood. And even sometimes the animals themselves would get out. Including a pair of lion cubs. They were out all night. We spotted them at nine o'clock. Unfortunately, some lady was getting mail and it became a big thing. You know, it's not, oh, baby lions are out. Oh, no, it's lions are out. Um, a big difference between a baby lion and a lion. That did upset people. Uh, that incident. No, and no, curious... they latch on to it. No, they latch well, on to it. It didn't upset anybody. It upset the people in the neighborhood. Mark insists someone cut the locks to let the cubs out. There was signage all over his property saying that, you know, by entering onto this premises, you are under the jurisdiction of private law. So there was really this, this private public tug of war, right, where the Drysdales claimed that 
because it was their property and it's their animals, they can do whatever they want. And then there's the community saying, well, we live around you. You can't do whatever you want. It's personal freedom versus uh, what the community wants. And the town wanted the facility shut down. AC here. Coming up, the claws really come out. We'll be right back. Sit tight. Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. They used pretty much every tool in the municipal chest to try to grind this operation to a halt, including uh, banning the public from attending uh, on the grounds of, you know, potential health violations and stuff like that. And, you know, the Drysdales were never really allowed to build the facility that they envisioned, to be fair. But at the same time, you know, the town officials also had a public safety issue on their hands. CBC News has new details on an upcoming court battle over a... And they ended up taking the Drysdales to court. Seeking an injunction to keep it from opening. Every single day for me is is like a month for normal people. I have so much turmoil, so much going on, so much great stuff. I have been allowed to, to interact with nature's most majestic, beautiful, loving animals in the world. And I don't care about the haters out there. They will never take that away from me. I know who I am. I know how much I love my animals. Yeah, you have all this drama, right? You have these huge cats, uh, meat-eating predators, and you have an angry neighborhood who wants to, to get this eccentric couple who own these animals out. And it all comes down to a zoning bylaw. The owners of Roaring Cat Retreat in Grand Bend must now find new homes for their collection of exotic animals. It comes after a Sarnia judge ruled against the controversial private zoo in a civil case. The fact that the Drysdales moved into this house that was on the grounds of the former Pine Ridge Zoo, the judge said that's fine. Yeah, it used to be a zoo, but it's not a zoo anymore because Lambton Shores actually zoned it as residential Uh, and then the adjoining property is agricultural as soon as the Pine Ridge Zoo shut down in order to make sure that it never happened again, right? This was January of 2020. The Drysdales were initially given two months to remove the animals, but then COVID complicated matters and the deadline was pushed to the beginning of June. We were threatened that if we didn't have the cats out by a certain date, they would be euthanized. Every single animal. So that's what places like Zoo Check and all these animal rights people do when they put the the pressure on you and get a hold of the township and try to tell them that they could be held liable if somebody gets hurt. So they scare these townships into thinking, hey, we better cover this. We better do something about this. And before you know it, they just push you out knowing that they have deeper pockets than you. The Drysdale's countersued, alleging town officials had actually given them the green light, then pulled the rug out from under them. We opened up a lawsuit 
We we are at over $140,000 right now fighting that lawsuit. Uh, we've lost every lawsuit that we put against them. Um, don't know why. Well, today is the deadline for a troubled private zoo in Grand Bend to find new homes for its animals. Roaring cat retreat. I, I, I talked to community members about about how they 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 loaded up all the animals in the middle of the night on a on a trailer and they just kind of left town and it was all of a sudden there was no more roaring and it was exactly like um a lot of the animal activists said would happen you had uh this this roadside zoo that set up in niagara grand bend it got shut down by municipal officials there and so it goes to maynooth and now it's a new community's problem cbc news has learned the couple behind grand bend's failed roaring cat retreat have set their sights on a new town Mark and Tammy Dreisner. There's no provincial legislation. These people look for municipalities to municipalities to municipalities. Roy Mitchell thinks Maynooth could have avoided the same fate as Waynefleet and Grand Bend. Before he moved here, he talked to the mayor. He had a phone conversation with the mayor that he taped and put on social media. So you're mayor, right, of Hastings Highway. And in that conversation, the mayor was saying, oh, yeah, we don't have a bylaw. No, we're really, econo- we bend over backwards for economic development. Am I sounding reasonable to you, providing we bring in the amount of people Oh, you're looking for some land? It's up for sale. Try this real estate agent. There's also some land over here that you might want to look at. And you think that's possibly for sale, eh? Here's what our mayor should have done, our former mayor who resigned. This is what the mayor should have done. He should have gone to his computer and he should have Googled Drysdale. He should have called up the mayor in Waynefleet or wherever these other people go. Listen, what happened? This person's coming to my community. What should I say? What should I do? I tried to reach the former mayor for his take on this, but got no answer. So this was in late 2020, and Roy decides he needs to do something to stop Mark Drysdale's newest venture, Highland Big Cat Adventures, from opening. He puts out a question on Facebook. Who wants to have a Zoom meeting to talk about this, right? Like what? And I invited ZooCheck, and about, I'd say, 10, 12 people came on, and we were like, okay, well, what's the answer? We had a couple of meetings. And the only thing we can do really is go for a bylaw. That's what we need to do. They form a group, Citizens for a Safe and Humane Hastings Highlands. And Roy uses his podcast called Hibla Minute to do his research. Welcome to Hibla Minute's inaugural... Hibla, named after a road near his place. This Hot Minute's guest is Executive Director Rob Laidlaw of Zuchek. And in the hopes of avoiding a repeat of the rainbow flag loss, he commits himself to learning everything he can on how to get a bylaw. And then bylaws may be given three readings on the same day, except... He invites a politician from a neighboring municipality onto his show for advice. Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. A counselor known as Bongo Bongo. (laughs) Yeah, Bongo. (laughs) I decide that council will provide ice cream to kindergarten children. Yeah. All year long, ice cream to kindergarten children. This is a bylaw, and I'm a counselor. It then says, be it agreed that children in kindergarten will get ice cream. That's the bylaw. It's on my desk. It's on my computer. What do I do with that? You would send it to the uh, CAO clerk. Yeah, in my and so we learned if that I if you put address your email to the clerk, that the letter will go into the public record, that that letter will be in the agenda. So all that work of writing a letter that we did for the rainbow flags went in the delete file. 
They didn't have to keep them. There's no record of the work we did, the people who wrote, the people who wrote against. This time, he made sure the municipality got the message. They were so shocked because they were inundated by emails that they had to process. Dear council members of the municipality of Hastings Highlands. This is an excerpt of just one of the letters written to the council. It's from former neighbors in Grand Bend. It's being read by one of my colleagues. Screeching, fighting lemurs at all hours of the day and night. The noise, of course, would get the lions going. I asked this couple to speak with me, but they told me they were still too traumatized to talk about it. I sincerely wish you the best of luck in your battle, and it will be a battle. Hopefully it won't take you 16 months to be rid of the Drysdales and their exotic animals. Of all the complaints, noise seems particularly galling to Mark. Are we really at that point in society where a lion roaring would be considered a noise complaint over children screaming? Come on, people, give your heads a shake. Really? Are we going to complain about planes flying over? Is that going to bother us? Because guess what? We have an airport right here. And to hear them when they do roar at seven o'clock at night for about five minutes, it's got to be one of the most unbelievable experiences you could ever have. And people pay tens of thousands of dollars to go to Africa and actually see it see a, a, a pride of lions roar. So guess what? Your, your motorcycle or your jet ski out in the lake while I'm trying to enjoy my day, it, it, it bothers me too. So you get rid of your jet skis and uh, we'll talk about uh, some way of me, me keeping the noise of my lions down if, if, if it's really that bad. I designed posters, I did podcasts, I recorded people. I did like reports after the meetings that I called Roy's Council Countdown. Hello, this is Roy Mitchell and taking this opportunity... Roy stands square to the camera. He's got a full white beard, stylish glasses, a straw hat, and what looks like a Western-style pleather jacket. Tomorrow we'll be in front of the municipal building in Maynooth to mark the momentous day when the exotic animal bylaw will get the first reading. It was just ridiculous, but it was totally fun to get the story out. Where we are now and what we have to do to move forward. Some people, though, didn't like what Roy was doing. And as a dude, I know dudes. And living up here where people hunt, where people have a sort of libertarian sense of, I moved here so I didn't have laws, right? There was somebody even who said, oh my God, the bylaw will make sure he, there won't be any, this is to me, this is somebody, this young kid wrote to me, the bylaw is ridiculous. You won't even be able to own bunnies. And he spelt bunnies in all caps. And it's got, did you read the bylaw? Bunnies are okay. And then there were the threats. Be careful. The lions will get you. Maybe if you kept your mouth shut, you wouldn't get in trouble. It just... Uh, <sighs> I mean, it's not like somebody said, I'm going to come and shoot you, but it's just, you know, I think, I don't know. I feel solidarity with people that are, as a queer man who goes like, it's always in the back of your mind. Like, I mean, it's like as a woman walking down the street, it's always in the back of your mind. Roy acknowledges that Mark did have support in the community. He just found it disturbing. And just the way people would support him, like the men would support him, 
like dude and business and you know yeah rugged bromance kind of shit right and be like oh gross and then women would be oh but my kids loved it my kids had the ex- grandmas would say they had the experience of their lives like oh let them stay because my kids have an experience which i don't doubt because there's not a lot of experiences here period and also it's covid so these parents are going crazy with their kids and they get to show them a tiger uh, if I were a kid, I'd love my parents for that. I get it. But the thing, I think, you know, people probably brought their kids to guillotine beheadings and loved it. But it's, you know, we evolve, hopefully, right? So, anyway. This prompted a question for Mark. I, I'm just wondering what you would say to, to people who say, and you even referred to this when we first started talking, like times have changed quite a bit since the 70s, right? And yep. uh, in terms of public sentiment towards keeping uh, wild animals, just period. What do you say to people that no, say, no, you know what, no, no. wrong continent, yep. they're yep. not domesticated, we shouldn't even be keeping them? Okay, what I'll say to those people is on any one weekend, we would have um, up to 500 to 1,000 people come by. So we have two or three big mouths in Maynooth that are making a big stink. Um, And we had over the winter, uh, probably 10, 15,000 people through that absolutely loved it. Ontario has a long history of these, these characters who own these large predators that most of us wouldn't think of owning as pets, but there's there's a certain breed of people who do it. And of all of them, there's one, Colin says, who stands out. An Ontario man who was attacked by his own tiger in 2010. The man's name was Norman Bowalda, and he was 66 at the time. And, and this, this tiger was 650 pounds of muscle and teeth, right? And uh, it was about five years after this 10-year-old boy was attacked by a tiger on this same property. And at the time, uh, everybody made a big deal out of the boy being hurt. And there were calls for more safety, more regulation. Um, and, and that's what really put roadside zoos into the spotlight. But despite the attention, it was confounding to many that neither the province nor the federal government brought in regulations to ban the private ownership of exotic animals. David Rawson was one of them. He lived next door to Norman Bowalda. If the federal government said, that's just illegal, this story would not be happening. After that boy was severely injured by his neighbor's Siberian tiger, he and others fought for a bylaw in their township of Southwold. They were successful, but Bowalda, who was also the founder of an exotic animal association aimed at getting more people to own big cats, managed to have the bylaw overturned. And the only, only... Saving grace was six and a half years later, the same tiger killed that man on a cold January night, a Sunday night, when he went out to do his weekly feeding. When Bowalda was killed, it was almost like there was a sense of just desserts. People looked into it, but, but ultimately there was no follow-up. People in Bridge Lake, B.C. are in disbelief after a woman was killed by a tiger at her boyfriend's exotic animal farm. A few years earlier in British Columbia, 
another tiger attack prompted quite a different reaction. It led the province to ban private ownership of exotic animals. No one knows exactly how many big cats are being kept as pets in Canada, but a survey done by a group called World Animal Protection in 2019 estimated there to be more than 3,600 lions and tigers in private hands. Many of those are believed to be in Ontario. We do not need an across-the-board ban on having these animals around. There are reasons to have them. Ontario brings in revenue from movie work with animals in them. Some of the provinces have put in, um, no, that we're not allowing it. Um, that is unreasonable. Um, that's why right now there are so many lions and tigers in Ontario that people don't even know about. They're in people's backyards. And guess what? Ontario is one of the last uh, one of the last places that uh, the government hasn't put in 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 rules. I wanted to get a response from the Solicitor General of Ontario to the critics who say that without provincial regulations, municipalities are being left to play whack-a-mole with exotic animal owners like Mark Drysdale. But I was told the minister, Sylvia Jones, would not be doing an interview. Instead, a spokesperson told me that just over a year ago, a Provincial Animal Welfare Services Committee, or PAWS group, was put together to advise the minister on any future regulations. And he added they will have more to say on this soon. Mark believes Ontario has all it needs with PAWS. It's got control. It controlled me. When things um, went south here, uh, PAWS stepped in and they did the right thing. They made sure that those animals um, were moved to a safe place. And He's talking about what happened at his property in Maynooth this past July, though he argues some of the details of what happened. Roy Mitchell recalls one particular pivotal day. I'm driving home from an event on a Saturday afternoon, we see cops cars racing toward the zoo area. And we're going, oh, okay, we didn't think anything of it. Like, what's the big deal? But we get home and I get a message. Cops are on their way to uh, the OPP, the Peterson Road. There's a car chase with the cops along the back trails. All of this is in real time because this person's listening to the police scanner and then telling me. And I'm going, oh my God. So what ended up happening is I fled from the cops. Tammy and I were having an argument. Um, Tammy and I are no longer together and we won't be reconciling. That ship has sailed. When you flee from the cops, guess what? It's a serious charge. Um, it, it, it puts you in jail for the night. No doubt about it. Mark later pleaded guilty to dangerous operation of a vehicle and of assault. On that night, he says... Guess what? With me not there, shit hit the fan... According to Mark, when the cops picked him up on July 4th, he begged them to take him to his property first so he could take care of his tiger, Tamara. I had told the police in Bancroft at least 20 times that my tiger was in a common area with the lions. I need to get her back in with Tony, her mate. Mark says he spent the night in jail, and when he got back to his property the next day... The first thing I see is a dead tiger. Not an eaten dead tiger, a dead tiger. I lost my mind. I went and got my tractor. And one of the hardest things I have ever done was to dig that hole and put my tiger in it dead. I 
take full responsibility for Tamara's death. Um, I take full responsibility for everything, and it makes me sick. It, to me, um, and I'm afraid I'm going to start tearing up, but to me, it was like losing a child. He rejects the allegation that lions dug between the enclosures to get at his tiger. He argues it was the other way around, that the tiger accidentally got in with the lions. I asked him about the other aspects of the police reports. They also talked about there not being enough water and not enough food, and uh, it looked like lemurs were being fed Fruit Loops. Lemurs eat Fruit Loops. That's what lemurs eat is cereal. That is one of the best meals for them is is cereal and fruit. That's what they are fed. That's what's good for them. The Fruit Loops are a treat, and that's like saying, "Oh." Guess what? I just seen the neighbor's kid eating a, a chocolate bar. He must just eat chocolate bars. Their diet is very, very sugar rich. Um, in Madagascar, the officers noted that what water was there wasn't clean. So I asked him about that too. So what it is is the tiger, um, Tony, the only tiger that was left, um, swims in its water bowl as well. So it wasn't a lack of water. It was him laying in his water bowl. And guess what? In the wild, a tiger and a lion, they don't exactly get fresh chlorinated water. Let, let's let's use our brains a little bit here. Now, where am I? I'm in a hospital in Ottawa dealing with a head injury for over a month. So I had no control. The charges which were laid against both Mark Drysdale and his former partner, Tammy, include one count each for permitting distress and four counts each of failing to comply with the standards of care laid out in the PAWS Act. I've tried to reach Tammy, but she hasn't responded to me. Nate Smell believes the community narrowly escaped bigger troubles. The police reports confirmed that the electric fence did not appear to be electrified. So if it wasn't electrified, there was really nothing keeping these animals in, right? So um, I think the community really got lucky. That to me was like, holy cow. Like it was like a, and so all of a sudden, I think it was the bylaw was like, you guys better pass this bylaw because this is like serious shit coming down, right? And so it was unanimous. They passed the bylaw. Hello, I'm Roy Mitchell. And I'm here on behalf of the citizens for a safe and humane Hastings Highlands. And what we want to say is thank you. Thank you for every message. Every it's been hell. There, there has been nothing but um, problems, and it all stems with townships is where it always starts. I just had one more question for Mark. You're not afraid of your lions and your tigers, but there are residents in each of these communities who are and who were petrified of possibly meeting one that somehow got out of their enclosure. Do you have any empathy for those residents that said, we just don't want exotic animals in our neighborhood? Absolutely not. I have no use for uneducated people. Guess what? Pull out your phone and educate yourself. We have wolves up here. We have bears up here. We have lynx up here. Guess what? These people go walking down trails. Are they petrified of being eaten by something? No, they wouldn't even go in their backyard. There's bears up here everywhere. And a bear will kill you. 
think it brought people together, you know, like people had something to talk about and fight for during COVID, which was a terrible time. So yeah, it was, it was brilliant and people were great and it's terrible and it's not over, you know, it's not over. I have full intentions of bringing them back. Um, in their bylaw, they do have a, um, an exception for sanctuaries and uh, people caring for animals. And uh, I, I, I was happy to see that, to be honest with you. It, it's, it's kind of throwing you a bone. But at the same time, they have a clause in there that their um, inspector will decide if it's adequate um, fencing and public protection. And I ask you, what uh, city, especially in a town of a thousand people like Maynooth, has a inspector that happens to know anything about what is required to keep a, a animal like a lion or tiger um, safe or the public safe? Three times he's tried to do this. So the municipalities get your shit together, you know? We have to force municipalities to see the light and the provincial government. Zoos are not, roadside zoos are terrible. They're just terrible things. If we can't find a capacity to take care of animals, it makes you think about how we can't take care of each other. And I always like go to that Gandhi quote, like, like, look at how people treat their animals and that shows you how they treat each other. So, I mean, we've got a lot to do in this world, right? And it's not a big deal. Like these animals probably are not in any better shape now because they're being shipped off to zoos or they're in some like holding capacity in some other place to be sold to some other zoo, right? But, but yeah, so I think, I think we got to keep fighting because, you know, like imagine if we did have a world where we didn't have these kind of zoos, what kind of people would we be, you know, that would make that happen? You know, what if we lived in a world where queer people were fine and happy, you know, so, so you keep fighting, you keep fighting. That duck was produced by Joan Weber. We reached out to the mayor of the municipality of Hastings Highlands, but she declined to comment. Mark noted the bylaw does provide for some sanctuaries to operate. In fact, the new rules provide exemptions for shelters run by the Ontario Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals or the municipality. So yes, there's an exemption. But individuals, like Mark, would have to apply to the municipal council for approval. That's all for us this week. The Doc Project is produced by Joan Weber, Tanara McLean, Kevin Ball, Allison Cook, and me. Althea Manassin is our digital producer. Our senior producer is Sherry OKK. I'm AC Rowe. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.